Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? It's the Crossover Pod, a Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. My guest today is one of my favorite NBA people, certainly one of my favorite players I ever covered on a daily basis, which I did during my years as a Knicks beat writer. Oh yeah, he's also a three-time Sixth Man of the Year and simply one of the most creative and entertaining scorers of all time. And he's got a new gig. Uh, As you might have heard, Jamal Crawford joining the NBA on TNT Tuesday Night Crew, where he'll sit and gab alongside Shaq, Candace Parker, and my buddy Adam Lefko. Jamal replacing Dwayne Wade, who has moved on to other endeavors. Jamal's perfect for this role. Uh, Great hire by Turner. He's always been great at breaking down the game and talking about the game. You won't find a player who's more passionate about the game. Plus, uh, Jamal's just really easygoing. They kind of need somebody to bring some chill to the set when Candace and Shaq start getting heated with each other. So I think he'll be a nice balance there. Uh, Jamal will be very busy with Turner. He's going to be a featured part of the NBA TV studio shows as well, including Center Court, which airs weekly on Thursdays, as well as NBA Game Time. He will make his debut this season on opening night, October 18th, with a NBA Twitter live show. So be sure to check that out as well. We'll discuss the new gig, how he knew it was time to hang up the jersey, his thoughts on the upcoming season, and a whole bunch more. Before we get to that, quick plug. SI and Triumph Books have a great new book out commemorating the Lakers' 75th anniversary. It's called The Greatest Show on Earth. I had the honor of writing the introduction. It's now available for pre-order with a 30% discount. Go to triumphbooks.com, search for Greatest Show on Earth. There's also a direct link to that in the summary of this podcast, or you can type in a bit.ly link, bit.ly backslash Lakers75. When you get to checkout, use the discount code LAKERS30. Again, it's triumphbooks.com. Discount code LAKERS30 for a 30% discount. Okay, my conversation with Jamal Crawford is coming up next. 
so stick around. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Now pleased to welcome the pride of Seattle, three-time sixth man of the year, Soon to be Emmy winner, pretty sure. Definitely TV star, Jamal Crawford. JC, how are you, sir? I, I usually love introductions, but that last part was pressure. Back. Come on, you just throw me in the fire. <laughs> well, this show, I believe, has won many Emmys. So, I mean, you're just, it, you just got to continue the leg. I guess I'm, what I'm saying is just don't mess it up. That's the, that's the goal right now. Just don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. <laughs> don't try to be a hero. Just stay right in that nice pocket, that nice window. They got a pretty good formula there. They, I think yeah. they know what they're doing. They so, got it down. Yeah. Producers, yeah. everybody deserves a lot of credit for sure. No, it's, uh, it's a great crew there. I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, hanging out in the Turner Studios a few times, uh, and they're all fantastic down there. So congrats on the new gig, NBA on TNT, Tuesday nights. Um, we'll get into all that in a second. I wanted to just start here because I mentioned the six-man-of-the-year tro- uh, six trophies right out the gate. That is obviously a massive part of your NBA resume. And I was going to ask you where they were. <laughs> And we had to change your setup for for our, our production purposes here. But they were right behind you. So the the six man of the year trophies, you've got them on display in your house. Is that your is that a trophy room? Is that do you have all your jerseys there? Like what's the setup? So it's just my office actually. And my wife okay. deserves all the credit. She set the whole thing up. I have two jerseys in my in my whole, I guess, that are mine in the house. I have other people's jerseys. But in mine, I have the Knicks and I have the Clippers. Those are my two favorite places to play. Uh, so I have those two. And then she has the the, the six man of the year trophy. She's like, when you do your interviews, you do anything, you do them in front of these. Okay, I spent a lot of time setting this whole thing up. I'm like, <laughs> it looks like I threw up some trophies. Now I'm joking. And she she made the office a complete vibe, and, and that's what we're doing. Nice. Um, it's funny. I was going to ask you about because you had let's see, it's it's nine teams total, right? Counting that very very brief stint with the Nets in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all the jerseys, but the only ones you display are, are Knicks and Clippers. Those with two favorite cities, two favorite experiences in terms of your career. I would say two of the the most like interesting experiences. Uh, I think you know I spent more time with those two teams. I played with Chicago four years, the Knicks four and a yeah. half, and the Clippers five years. But I feel like when I was in New York, I was on stage performing. Like I really believe that. I, I made myself believe it. There was always somebody famous in the crowd. Uh, somebody always there rooting you on. So I felt like in, in the court was kind of dark and, and stands were dark, but the court was kind of, you know, like you're on stage. So that was yeah. kind of like my performance piece. And then the Clippers, I felt like was the best team I ever played on and had a chance to actually do some special things. So, yeah, those two are, are really, really special to me. And obviously the two uh, greatest media contingents in New York and L.A. And I'm not saying that because I covered you for all these years in New York and I used to. Back, of course. Yeah. <laughs> not saying it just because I spent all those years in L.A. covering the Lakers and then you uh, covering the Knicks. Um, no, those I, I like I like the rationale there, too. Uh, and the rest of the jerseys are just in a box somewhere, I guess. Yeah, they're just in a box yeah. somewhere. 
Yeah. Um, I mentioned Seattle too, so I, I did want to hit this real quick. There was a preseason game there this week, exhibition game, Clippers and Blazers, which got everybody all stirred up again about the NBA returning to Seattle. I know that's near and dear to your heart. Did you go to the game? Did you watch the game? Does it stir anything for you when you see basketball in Seattle? I did go to the game, and it actually stirred a lot even before we got to the game. Just the city's excitement, uh, seeing how how much energy was around the streets. People were like it was. It was obviously you know the Clippers versus Blazers, but in a weird way, it was kind of like a Sonic celebration as well. You know, seeing uh, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and, and Detlef and Sam Perkins and Coach Carl like being in the building, being in that arena where they created so many memories. You know, and obviously it's a different name when they were playing, but still the same place and. It, you saw so much green and gold there, right? Yeah. It was amazing because you looked at the, the players' faces with the Clippers and with the Blazers, seeing Dame's face, you're seeing Kawhi and Paul George, and they were taking it all in too. Like, a team needs to be back here at some point, you know, and growing up here, knowing the Sonics and how they played a role on, on my life and a lot of people's uh, hearts and minds growing up, it's just special to be back in there. Yeah. I think everybody who's been associated with the NBA, uh, you know, players, coaches, definitely the media, because we all loved it. Like everybody's really eager to see Seattle get a team again. I'm kind of Mannix and I talked about this on the pod earlier this week. I'm I'm kind of anti-expansion. I I think it would dilute the league too much. I'm more like uh, you know move somebody there, which gets sticky because <laughs> then you're offending fan bases and and uh, team officials and media in other cities. But like I. I would love to see basketball back in Seattle, the NBA back in Seattle. I'm just not sure 32 teams make sense. I'm not I'm not there yet. 30 more players. It's great for you guys, Jamal. Like obviously if you were, you know, still part of the players association, they'll be all for it. It's more jobs. Um I'm not sure there's enough talent in the league to support 32 teams at a high level. I think it's I think the quality of play might suffer a bit. See, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of that, to be honest with you. There's a lot of veteran guys who are not signed right now. And I'm not saying you make a team of just those veteran guys, but I'm saying throughout the league, somehow I think you can uh, kind of push it. And I was on the other side of that where we lost our team. And I don't want anybody else to lose their team yeah. and go through what we went through. And that was yeah. tough. And at the time, we were like, okay, they'll be back in you know five years. Well, we're 14 going on 15 years, and we're still not here. And this was an unbelievable yeah. city. So, yeah. Uh, but I understand your point because you don't want to dilute the league. The league's at an all-time high with talent and everything. So you want to, you definitely want to um, not mess with that too much, but I just don't want to see anybody else lose their team. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And listen, th- it was very close to Seattle taking the Kings from Sacramento. And, yeah. you know, you know me, I've got my Northern California ties and I went to school near there and I, I covered all those Lakers-Kings series. Like, I felt bad for Sacramento when it looked like that was going to happen. And yeah, right. I don't I don't root for anybody to lose their team either. But it is amazing. No. You mentioned it, like, we all thought it'd be back in Seattle within a few years. They got a team back to Charlotte within whatever, <laughs> three years after the Hornets left for New Orleans. Um, Seattle's a, uh, you know, I want to start comparing cities again. I'll get myself in trouble here. But that was like, a great city. Let's just say it's a great city. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte's a fine city. Seattle had a much longer history and a richer history and an incredibly passionate fan base. And uh, just period. It should, the NBA should be back there. So we'll see. Um, so we're talking on the day between this will run Friday morning, but so by the time this airs, um, there will be Scoot versus Wembanyama part two because that's happening Thursday night. Uh, I assume, like me and like a bazillion NBA fans, last night you were probably glued to uh, either the NBA app 
or uh, or ESPN two watching that game. Um, quick thoughts on on Scoot and uh, and Wemby, which is easier to say than Wembenyama. Well, to start with Scoot, it was it was interesting to see because he was aggressive. He was really aggressive every time he touched the ball, but he also was enjoying being part of a team. If that makes sense, like he was like, you know what. This is a big game. I know it's a big game. I want to do well, and I'm going to be aggressive, but I want you guys to do well as well. I watched him when he was on the bench. I watched how engaged he was. I watched how he was, um, you know, watching his teammates and cheering on his teammates and just being a part of the team. And it was it was amazing to see a young guy like that, especially when there's a game of that magnitude and that much hype coming into it, that you're not trying to, you know, kind of be bigger than the moment. You're, you're being a part of the moment, but you're letting your teammates be a part as well. So he has a whole lot of game. He's tough. He can create his shot. Uh, he plays with that edge and that grit, and I love that about him. On the other side, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like that. I just haven't. I mean, have you, Becky? You've seen it all as well. I, I'm not sure I've seen oh. anything quite like that. He he's like a even um, more outlandish version of all the other unicorns we keep talking about, right? Like, oh, Giannis. We've never seen somebody like Giannis. We've never seen somebody like Porzingis. We've never seen somebody like Kevin Durant. We like Kevin. Going back to Kevin Garnett. Like we keep, they just keep getting uh, bigger, longer, stretchier with more skills. Um, these these seven footers, right, or virtual seven footers in some cases of, of the guys we're talking about. But like each one of them, you think, I mean, this is revolutionary. This person is revolutionary. But Wembenyama, he's seven three, I think, could still be and growing. It's crazy, right? And it's it's like okay, we saw Ralph Sampson, then we saw Kevin Kevin Garnett, right, and then you see. Kevin Durant come, or you see Dirk and you see Kevin Durant come, yeah. and now him, it's like, it's, it's the evolution, right? And yeah. they all stand on the shoulders of each other, so I'm sure he's watched KD. I'm sure he's watched oh, yeah. how he gets his shot and how he does that. And It's like it continues to evolve, and he's just, it's incredible to watch how fluid he is, right? Like yes. how he does. It's so smooth. You would think you could stretch him to 6'5 or 6'2 and it would look the same because he's that fluid. You know, and obviously he'll get stronger as it goes. Um, but seeing guys like him and, and Chet, obviously, um, come into the league, it's going to be amazing because the game continues to grow and continues to evolve. You said the, the key word for me, which is fluid. Like, I remember when Porzingis got to the league and he's 7'3", and he's got some, you know, some perimeter skills and certainly the shooting skills. But there was always something about Porzingis, the way he moved, that looked a little gawky to me. And when guys get to that height – no matter how much skill they have, it doesn't look as fluid. That was the word you used. And when I watched Wembenyama really for the first time in this game, I mean, I've seen some YouTube highlights, but yeah, seeing yeah. seeing a live game is just different. Um, that was what struck me too, Jamal. Like the guy looks fluid. He doesn't look like a gawky 7-3 guy who is trying to figure out how to be a ball handler and scrunch himself down, right? Like right. he just, right. it looked oh. natural. Um, I, I Like it's going to translate and he... he the number of blocked shots, like every time he, like all the blocks, all the threes, and then on top of that, um, just a, a lot of little things in between. He just, he was so much fun to watch. And Scoot, too. And you said it, like, Scoot, for a guy who has incredible individual skills, you know this as, as, a, as a guard with great skills when you come into the league, um, and in his case, the G League at this point, you want to, you want to show what you can do. And, right. You, there's, it's, it's natural to force it. It's natural to kind of put a lot on yourself and for him with this national spotlight. But I thought, Scoot, it was just a really mature performance by him. Like you saw the the excitement in him for sure. 
um, and the tenacity. But but it was a I thought it was a very mature game. Like I think he had a, ended up with what six assists in addition to all the scoring. Exactly, and my thing with that Beck is he was in high school, right? And I'm sure when you're a high school senior and there's a rivalry game and you're playing this big game, there's times I was in high school and I look back and I was like, man. I was too excited that game. The next day, when you know, in retrospect, when you look back, I was a little too excited. That's why I missed that shot, or that's why I was pressing. To have that kind of maturity that young at such a stage, right? When you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker and these guys coming to watch you in person, it's a national game, and you still handle yourself like that. That says a lot about you. That that too, yeah. You, I mean, you 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 pointed out like all those guys are sitting courtside. Right. You, got, you got NBA superstars sitting courtside, and and to still not you know, and to be able to resist the temptation, basically to not overdo it, to play a good team game and still take advantage of his opportunities. Uh, that was fantastic. I can't wait to see uh, part two on Thursday night. Again, people will have seen that by the time uh, this, this pod publishes. Um, so huge congrats on the new gig with Turner. Uh, this seemed like a natural, obviously you were getting some reps with them last season. So it seemed like this was, was, you know, going to work out one way or another. And then when Dwayne Wade steps aside, um, I think everybody kind of thought, oh, they'll just slotch them all in. Easy. Um, did you think this was going to be the move after you retired? And I know you were trying to you know, push off retirement as long as you possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but was this, was this, did you know that this was going to be the next step? I did not know. Um, for me, and you've known me a long time now, Almost two decades, I guess, right? Eight, I came in 05. Dude, yeah. 18, 18 years. It just right. hit me the other day. And again, unfair. You look exactly the same as when I met you in 2004. <laughs> I do not. But uh... Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and, and you look good on the, on the, uh, the Lakers uh, piece that's going on now. I love watching, by the I way. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. But um, no, I, I didn't know this would be the move. I really didn't. When I was playing, I enjoyed, you know, popping on different podcasts and, and popping on different interviews and and I remember people like, man, you got a future in that. You're going to be a, you know, you're a natural, as they say. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just doing this interview so I can go back to practice and go home. I always thought I'd be in the front office. I always thought I'd be putting together teams. I remember saying it then. I would go to LA Fitness and sometimes I wouldn't play. But I would just try to put together everybody's teams, try to balance it out. And, you know, on a lower scale, obviously. But I always loved being around the game in that way, in that regard. Um, I, I wanted to do that. I never saw myself coaching in the NBA. And what's funny is after, you know, I didn't say officially retired at the time, but after I didn't get picked up a couple of times, teams reached out and they wanted me on their coaching staff or in their front office. And I was like, wow, okay, this is what you waited for. But then I was like, "Ah, I'm not so sure I'm enjoying being home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoy being home. I didn't want to move. Uh, And then it went to the pandemic. And I jumped on a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews again, and I, I was like, man, I enjoy talking about the game. And the blessing of, you know, going on TNT the first time right around Thanksgiving was that day I was like, whoa, I got bit by the bug. And for them, they're, they're, they're unbelievable, right? Like it's the best team on TV. It's the best family on TV. Turner is just unbelievable. And I'm not just talking about the people on the screen, the producers, the makeup artists, like everybody's one big family. And to me, that's what stood out. And there were other uh, networks that wanted me to come over and, you know, take a meeting or, or potentially come to, to their, their network. And the thing that was a great separator for me was that family atmosphere. 
and being a part of that. And obviously, I went back and I went back and I went back and I covered the playoffs on Twitter's uh, Twitter Live and did different things with them. It was just a family atmosphere. So I didn't see this coming, but I'm glad I'm here. And now I totally wanted to do well at it. Yeah. You know, Jamal, people are going to hear that and they're going to think like, ah, that's just, you know, everybody says nice things about their new employer, whatever. When, no, you, say, no, no. when you say family, no, but I know it's real. I worked for Bleach Report, of course, for seven years. So that was part of Turner. I got uh, the opportunity several times to go down, hang out in the studios, whether I was working on a story and needed to talk to Shaq or Chuck or whoever um, and do some NBA TV with, with you know, Jared Greenberg or whoever at, at the time. It really is like it's a it's a fantastic atmosphere down there. I was always really impressed by how everybody's friendly. Everybody's kind of pulling for each other. It, it really is like it's a very it's a it's a nice place to hang out. Um, plus a lot of free ca- free candy in the green room there. So definitely free candy. The Jolly Ranchers stay away from, but they're they're good. But no, nah, it, it and you know I've I've been on a team ever since I was eight years old, one way or another. You know what I mean? So it gives me that team atmosphere, and I didn't think no knock anybody else. I didn't feel that from other places. Just hmm. as a fan of the game, just a fan of watching TV, it, it felt like a family atmosphere and it felt like a team. And you get to be on a team in a different way, right? And that's that was a great separator for me. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've always been somebody who loved talking about the game, breaking down the game, you know, all the times, like, you're not just interviewing you when you were on the Knicks or every, you're bouncing around the, the league. You and I are, are, you know, seeing each other in various arenas. You just, I, I just know this about you. You love talking about the game. So that part of it, and you're great at doing it and explaining it, especially to folks like me who are just, you know, trying to understand it from the outsider perspective. But so that part of it felt natural, but you said something about the, the like the bug hit like you didn't know you know you you can talk the game well that you explain the game well you know it as well as anyone but what was the bug what was the like did it was the cameras go on the lights go on all of a sudden it's kind of like oh cool it's tv or what was the what was the part of it that suddenly made you light up and think like this is something i can see now as as the second career it was just everything about it because you're still so close to the game and you know me back you cover me in new york you never really heard anything outside of basketball with me. Like I was always, you know what I mean? Like I was, I wasn't out partying. I wasn't like you, you saw me in the gym, you interviewed me, you saw me back in the gym. And I think now people are hearing me talk more than they maybe ever, you know? So from a distance, you may look at me and say, Oh, this guy's a bucket. He wants to shoot all the time. And, it's, and that's it. Right. But when he talks to me like, Oh, he knows a little bit more about the game than I thought he did, you know? So that part of it is interesting to me. And I, I think, the responses I got from not only people that don't know you, but family and friends were like, wow, you kind of broke that down really well. Or, you know, this part of it. And I just, I remember being on set the last time. It was the last show on set. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm yeah. going to sacrifice the flights and everything else. I'm going to do this because I absolutely want to do this. And I want to be good at it going forward. So I'm going to take it serious. I'm going to study. I'm going to watch. I'm going to learn. I want to throw myself into this wholeheartedly. And it gave me a sense of peace as well. Um, from not just saying, how come I'm not playing the league? How come I didn't get signed now? It gave me a sense of closure. And I'm really excited about this next part of my journey. Do you think there's, like, you talked about the possibility of coaching or, or you know, teams wanting you on their bench. You talked about the uh, the intrigue of, of being in a front office. Uh, you're real, obviously, you're very young still. Uh, you've got time to, like, do this and still do that later are you kind of taking this as, like, I don't know how long the contract is, but, like, do you take this as, like, all right, I'm going to do this for a while, but then eventually I could still see going and, and you know, being a GM somewhere or being on someone's bench somewhere? Is, do you, is that bug still there, too? That bug, to me, is on the back burner. Like, I'm, I'm throwing my all into this, and, and that's what it is for me right now. Like, I'm, I'm focused on this part of it. I get to coach my son still. Uh, I get to, you know, still be home and still be present here, but – I'm all in on this. I haven't thought that far as far as like, you know what, I'm going to do this for a couple of years and go, you know, run a team or whatever. I'm enjoying this and I want to see how far this goes because I want to maximize this because I, like I said, it's a whole new audience in a way. You know, and the thing I, I think playing, I was an acquired taste. Yeah. If you like scores, you want to go. Yeah. I like watching him. Right. But he takes some crazy shots, but now <laughs> even the guy that's out nah. to crazy shots can be like, you know what? 
he, he knows what he's talking about a little bit. I can I can hear where he's coming from, and I understand where he's coming from, and that's cool to me as well. It's another challenge, and I'm up for it. When you're on the other side of it now as an analyst, and maybe this was even the case as you got older and you were more just like this, the sage veteran on the bench, are there guys who you're going like, oh, man, that's a, that's a bad shot. You should have taken that shot. Like, yeah, I took that shot 10 years ago, but you shouldn't take that shot. You know, it's crazy that and it goes because I coach kids. And the thing that drives me crazy, the thing I learned about myself is, and maybe it did come with wisdom, I hate guys who don't make others better. Mm. I hate it. I hate guys who are just like a one-man band. I hate guys who don't work with the team well. And so it's funny because I probably was do like that for a long time, but it's just like it's the it's the craziest thing because I I, I really am saying that I can't play basketball with everybody anymore. I'll go play LA Fitness. These guys are just they're going through their drills. They're doing this while we're playing. I'm like, okay, you're playing like you're drilling. You're the only person on the court. It's a team game. So yeah, that kind of drives me crazy a little bit. <laughs> I mean, listen. There were obviously moments where, you know, you're going into your crossover and, uh, you know, 15 moves, but nobody ever accused you. I don't remember anybody ever grumbling like Jamal Crawford's just about himself. Like there, there are obviously those moments, there's those flights of fancy, uh, passing yourself off the backboard. Um, but I don't, I don't recall anybody ever, anybody ever resenting you for it. Plus like, especially those Knicks years, which I was covering, you know, you guys were never really very good good in terms of wins and losses so being entertaining you not not everybody can be a 50 win team not everybody can be a playoff team at like i always say like there are worse things to be than just a fun team and entertaining team and listen i think that's the one thing folks at the garden would say for sure like you never let anybody go home disappointed with what they saw like they they got they got something to talk about Oh, you're going to get your money's worth. It's definitely entertainment value there, even if we weren't very good or even if there was more to talk about off the court. But for me, it was like, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like the shots I was taking, looking back, only that was a tough one. Even There was some, I remember one time I was playing for Doc, and this gave me the ultimate confidence, even more than in, in New York in this situation. There was a tough shot I took, and I said it was tough. Howard, I'm like, ooh, that was tough. He's like, no, they got to get out your way. They got to give you space. I'm like, oh, man, I can do no wrong. He... But as a player, it was empowering, right? But I'm like, well, that was a tough one. So, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I never took a shot. I didn't think I couldn't make, if that if that makes sense. Totally. But now, as the Sage veteran, I'm like, okay, let's work it around a little bit. The shot clock's at five. You have to take that shot. So be it. Um. You're you're going into uh, Dwayne Wade's actual seat on the set, I believe, unless they're re- reassembling the chairs, right? I assume you'll be on like stage left, my right. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you now that there was uh, you know some established chemistry there, like that show still new-ish, but Shaq Wade, obviously those guys were teammates. Um, Candace holding Shaq accountable, which I love. Uh, Lefko doing his thing. Like, do you do you look at what they were doing and think like, uh, you know, it's like chemistry, like just like on a team, right? You join a new team. You you did that several times in your career. Is it kind of the same thing? Do you kind of going like, all right, I got to kind of feel my way with this group? And I'm sure you know all of them well going in already. But uh, how do you establish chemistry on a studio set? Is that and is that like on a on a basketball court? Well, first off, shout out to D. Wade because I was blown away. I never spent that much time around him, only as a contemporary, as an appear. So I had never known how regular he was. Like from a distance, you see the fashion. He's doing this. He's in business. He's doing that. He's everywhere. He's icon. He's Dwayne Wade. But he's so normal and so real. And he was always uh, engaging. It was comfortable for me. So I'm sitting next to him, and he's like, 
you didn't feel like you were sitting next to Dwayne Wade. It was like, that's D Wade over there, the Shaq over there, there's left call right there. I mean, Candace to see, you know what I mean? So there was no ego by any of them. And that makes it easy. You know what I mean? I think Shaq, I remember, I haven't told this story. My driver that was coming to get me was late. And Shaq happened to be in the hotel. And he was like, hey, jump in, come with me. And he took me to uh, one of my last, you know, appearances on, on TNT. And so that type of chemistry and that type of family atmosphere definitely made it where it wasn't like, oh, who's the new guy? You know, they would come to me for thoughts. And they would come to me if they felt like, you know what, you could sell a little more right there. You know what I mean? Are you Because you, when you go on those shows, you know how it is, Beck. You don't want to be like, hey, I'm on this show, look at me, let me make sure I get my point across. It's like, no, you have a sweet spot where you can get your point across, not over talk, be part of the team and kind of go from there. But they uh, were great. It made it special for me. Is it easier to be bolder pushing back against Shaq and some of his crazy takes when you're sitting on the opposite side of the studio? Like you're at a safe distance there. I, I definitely am. And if he got up and chased me, I would make sure I, I somehow <laughs> wiggled around him. So no, but Shaq's, Shaq's a Pisces like I am. And, and me and Shaq connected from day one. Uh, he, funny story, he loves a DJ, right? Yeah. And I have an iPod. I guess I still use an iPod. I just got an iPhone. You, so wait, hold on. You iPod. still have an iPod. Not just yeah, the music on your I phone. You have an iPod. I have an iPod. And <laughs> that's it has a, almost 50,000 songs on it. That's amazing. And so I'm playing music while we're in the back. And Shaq's like, okay, you got a good taste. And I, I throw the iPod to him. And I let him DJ. And before that, I'm like, Shaq, I know you were drafted this year. Let's go back to that year. So I'm playing songs that he used to play in college all the time. And he's calling his friends, like, you remember we used to play this all the time? And by the end, I said, you keep it. He looked, he was like, man, that's one of the best gifts I ever got. And so just the chemistry, like, and, and all those people that are there, Shaq, Lefko, Candace, when D-Wade was there, they respect, I think, authenticity and just being real and being yourself. And for me, um, that's all I can be. And they, they accepted me with open arms. They made it really easy. Uh are you now required to have like a number of like turtlenecks and mock turtlenecks in your? No, I'm uh, not doing that. <laughs> D Wade, D Wade, Lefko killed the turtleneck game, so I, <laughs> I, I, I definitely have a number of suits, but no, I don't have the turtleneck, so you won't see too many turtlenecks for me. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that as a good thing. They look good on Lefko, though. Keep they rocking, do. The, he, he keep rocking well. the turtleneck, Adam. <laughs> he, he definitely has a style. He has it. <laughs> uh. Adam told me that um, you've actually said to him a couple of times within the last year as you were doing like the fill-in and everything else, like, did you ever think you'd be sitting here on this set with Shaq? <laughs> he told you that? You come on, I, come on. That's, I, that's I, supposed to be I, our thing. I, no, I, I, I reached out. We're you know, mutual friends. So, yeah. But um, I think like for Adam, because I remember when Lefko got the job and I'm asking him this, and we did the podcast when he first got the gig. We'd done it a couple of times. And I asked him about just like the surreal aspect of that. And so for you too, like I, I thought that was really endearing that, listen, you spent, you know, almost two decades of your life, Jamal, amongst giants and amongst, you know, these athlete, uh, you know, celebrity athletes. Um, these are your peers. So I thought it was really endearing though, the idea that like it, it's just as much for for somebody like me or like Adam to, to like to have that moment where you sit down sometimes look around and go wait holy moly how did I get here uh, I mean I'm, I'm a, it's somewhat surprising like that would be for you no. you played against Shaq yeah but I, I've never I've never been jaded like I, you know sometimes when you're going through a journey you look back like man I came a long way while I was in the moment in the journey I'm like wow that was so cool that happened like that's what I'm asking like did you ever think you'd be up with Shaq 
Like Tupac wore Shaq's jersey. Biggie Smalls wore Shaq's jersey. Shaq is Michael Jackson uh, in his apartment in New York had a, a life size cutout of Shaq. Like Shaq, <laughs> unbelievable. And, and like I've never ever ever been jaded by that. Like I'm still. I promise you, I'm still sitting up. Dang, that's Shaq. Or dang, that's Charles. Or dang, that's Kenny. Or that's Ernie right there. Like, and you, you, like, I'm such a, a student and a fan of the game. Like, I know my history of the game, and, and I just have a certain level of regard and respect for these guys that came before me. And that that will never leave. The kid in me will always be there. Like, man, you actually played in the NBA. You actually met Kobe. You actually played against Kobe or Jordan. You're actually Shaq knows your name. Like. As a kid, like, Shaq at LSU, like he knows your name. Like that's the craziest thing. Um, I'm a, a jaded, cynical old journalist, so uh, I'm not. I'm not supposed to have any of this anymore. But uh, listen, man, it, it's surreal for me too. I covered Shaq for seven years in LA, uh, and then I came. I, I covered you for what almost five seasons yep. in New York. Lefko and I worked together for seven years at Bleacher Report. Uh, Candace is the only one I really don't know. We've we've may, maybe met once or twice, but like I'm gonna be sitting here watching you and Shaq and Adam like hanging out on this. Set. Like for me, it's surreal. Like I get a little chills. Like it's very cool. It is so cool, and it's even cooler, like you said, because I didn't know I would be doing this. I, I had no idea I'd be doing this. I truly thought this whole time, and I actually got six offers to do what I thought I'd be doing, yeah. and I said. No, that's not right. Like, who does that in the fourth quarter of overtime? Like, no, nah, you know what? This wasn't the game for me. I'm about to check myself out or whatever it is, right? And, and then you you get this thing that you fall in love with and you didn't even know it was there. And that's what's so cool about it. So, no, nah, it, like, it's it's really, really cool. Uh, best moment on the court with Shaq during your playing careers. Did you ever get the better of him, ever dunk over him, cross him up? Um, the best moment on court, I would have to say, was the game you were there? I scored fifty-two points, mm. and they had just won the championship um, the year before in '06. And just seeing them, you know how it is when when the Heat came in and just won a championship. Shaq, D Wade, the 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 electricity. Even though we weren't good with the Knicks, the New York is electric because Shaq and D Wade are coming in the building. You know, you have so many celebrities and stars, and that was my highest scoring game. And, uh, that was a game I'll never forget. And obviously, Shaq was on the court there. Um, the last time you and I potted, I think when it was, uh, probably, it might've been two years ago, actually, but I remember, so you had your one game stint, uh, with the Nets in the bubble in 2020, yes. August, 2020. But I remember the last time you and I talked, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was before you had decided to retire before you had, had made that, that decision final. And you were like, listen, I might be 40, 41, whatever you were at the time, but I can still play. And you were you were definitely still waiting for that, yes. that last contract. Um, that was one of the other things that, that uh, Lefko said when I reached out. He's like, man, Jamal could still play. I don't know where he's seen you play recently, but he said <laughs> Jamal, he says Jamal could still play right now. Uh, and you're, you've still got your pro-am, obviously. And so I know it was a difficult thing for you. Like, and few guys make it to 40, 41, 42. Um, but you, you were never seriously injured in your career. Uh, no. again, you still look the same as when I met you 18 years ago. What was the moment where you finally had to concede in your own mind? Like, you know what? I, I guess that last contract isn't coming. Whatever, whatever, like urge you still had that need to still be on the court. Like, when did you finally have to let go? When I start coaching my son, I didn't want to leave anymore. When I start coaching him, it was like, 
I can show you my phone right now. I have like practice plans on my right now. So I, I threw myself all the way in it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when I started coaching him and I saw the joy in seeing him and my nephew and other kids go from point A to point B and throw myself into that, I had no desire. And then the, the final straw, Howard, was when I said, how can I, I'm watching games. I'm like, well, how can I play in the NBA from home? I'm like, oh, okay, that's it. Like, if you still want to play, but you don't want to leave anymore, I'm like, okay, that's that's it. And But the, my son and coaching them gave me peace. And like I've, I've said it, they needed me as a coach, obviously, because, you know, I have a lot of knowledge to give them. But I may need them more because as you get to the back end of your career, you're, you don't want to let it go. You feel like you can still play, obviously, and I think I can. That part is true. But you don't want to think about the, the very end because that's your whole life, man. Like, I've been playing basketball since I was two years old. So it wasn't just the 20 years. It's like you're letting go, like really letting go of this whole thing. And so for me, that gave me closure. And I thought announcing my retirement on my birthday, a lot of people didn't catch it. They got it. Like the people that woke up got it March 21st, but I actually announced my retirement on my birthday, March 20th. Um, yeah. And, and so I felt like it was fitting. Like, well, who retires on their birthday? That's making it cool. So, yeah. It was Man, cool for me. I'll tell you what else is cool. Um, if there's such a thing as like a virtual birthday card, virtual retirement card, whatever. <laughs> Twitter that day, social media that day. My God, oh. like, dude, every person, every player, every coach, every, everybody, all of me, all the media people, we're all like 19 seasons, nine teams. I feel like every single person who came across you during that time tweeted their congratulations and well wishes that day. That, that tweet, and that's my, that's my pin tweet. You can go look. I think it had 252,000 favorites. And that's not telling the comments that responded. And that was before Instagram, right? Like, I only had a Twitter. And even then, like, when you know you're going to retire, you're like, okay, well, how am I going to announce this? Like, I wasn't Kobe. I'm not getting a farewell tour. And obviously, I'm not playing anyway. And I didn't deserve that. But how do you announce it? And so what's fitting for me was everywhere I went and everywhere, it was always my ball in the hoop, right? It's, no matter where I was, it was always – and a lot of the time I spent by myself creating new moves, working on my game, whatever it might have been – so I feel like, okay, that's the picture. It has to be just me, a ball in the hoop, because that's how I started this thing. And then I didn't want to make like a long speech where I forgot somebody or I didn't want to be too emotional about it. So I just did a Jay-Z lyric that was like, I knew it would really catch with people. And it's one of my favorite rapper ever. So it was like the perfect way to go out. And I gave a peace sign and me looking away from the court, looking away from the game. I thought it was the perfect picture. It accomplished everything I needed to. Yeah. It was like Marshawn throwing his... Uh, his cleats over the, over the, the, the wire, right? So it was, that was my way of doing that. Nah, that was very cool. That was really neat to see that day too. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your last stop, I want to just say this real quick too. Your, so your last game is this weird, like you, you this quick thing with the Nets and you got hurt and it was in the bubble and it's in the during the middle of COVID and all, all this stuff. I, as far as I'm concerned, that one doesn't, that one doesn't count. Doesn't, doesn't count. Yeah. You, you went out with a 51-point game for the Suns in uh, in April of 2019, and a, a phenomenal game all the way around too. Because this wasn't just like oh late game gunning. Oh Jamal Crawford's just getting his. You went 18 for 30. For, I don't need to recite these because you can because you remember everything, every stat ever. 18 for 30 from the field, seven for 13 from three, five rebounds, five assists, 51 points. Just a great all around game. Like nobody goes out like that, Jamal. Aside from like off, Michael's off the bench, off the bench, which had off never been done. Bench. Um, yeah. and, and off the bench and against Luca and Dirk in that game. That and was Dirk's Dirk's, last home game. That was yeah. a movie back. Like that was a movie. So coming into the game, I knew I needed 25 because at the time only Kobe has scored 25, three straight games in 19 seasons or more. Right. And so I, I got 25, I had 25 heading into the fourth quarter. I'm like, Oh, I reached the number. No problem. Let's just go play now. Like, really just go. I scored 26 in the fourth. So I had 51. We were down 30 and it got to a three-point game. Like, thir- uh, yeah, 18 for 30, 8 for 9 from the free throw line. But it, more than anything, it's Dirk's last home game. Everybody knows yeah. he's going to retire. He's going to announce his retirement. The whole city's electric. After the game, 
I have a ball boy run to the locker room to get my phone. I'm like, I'm not leaving. I'm videotaping everything. This is dirt. This is the last game. Like I said, I've always been a student of the game. And for him to mention in his speech, unprompted, I try to steal his show a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> and Dirk gave me a jersey that night. He gave me a jersey. Uh, that's that cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. So it was just like that's that's magic. If that doesn't happen for me. It was a movie to see Dirk's last home game. Like in yeah. the excitement, it felt like I've I've been to a finals a couple of times. It felt like a finals game. Just all the love and the the the, the ambiance and the emotion they poured into that game. So it was unbelievable to be there. No, that's that's just magical. Um, I, I got to ask because you did, you know, that was with the Suns, and obviously Robert Sarver. That entire saga has uh, almost reached its conclusion. He's going to sell the team. Um, you know, if you have any 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 thoughts on on Sarver himself, I don't know how much you know. Like players and owners of teams do not always intersect. So it's right. I, you know I, whether you you knew anything, heard anything or not. I am curious, but even be, beyond that, I think my curiosity too is. How much does that actually affect the team that, you know, there's the emotional side of it or it's the personal side of it and hearing it and being appalled by it. And this is the person who signs your checks, but you're not playing for the team owner. You're, you're playing for right. the city. You're playing for your teammates. You're playing for your coach. You're playing for, um, but it's, but it does, it hangs over. And you were with the Clippers when the Sterling thing happened. Um, different kind of, I think, visceral uh, reactions there because of the nature of that whole thing. And you guys are in the middle of a playoffs, but I'm just curious, like, what do you think the impact ultimately is on the Suns, um, and also having the team for sale? Does that instability and does the controversy weigh on a team? It definitely does. And it was interesting to hear you say that. Obviously when I was with the Clippers, it was a different time and we had to make like some, um, real time decisions, so to speak. Right. And so, it hangs over a team because everybody feels a different way about what happened. They can talk it out, but their first initial reaction, I don't think everybody's going to see it the same way. Some people be like, yeah, that, that's him. That's who he is. Some people be like, no, well, that wasn't my experience with him. It might be who he is, right? So you have different things like that. And then, like for the Clippers, I, I'll never forget, we had our families. Like, you guys need to do this or you need to do that. And it was so much more than just us, you know, at a time where social media is prevalent. Uh, you know, and, and looking back, we, we, if that happened now, we probably wouldn't have played, you know, just thinking about that situation. But, yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm glad there's resolution as far as him selling the team because I think that helps Phoenix at least get some type of closure. It may not be the end-all, be-all, but I think it helps with some type of closure instead of hanging over their head, oh, he's suspended, he'll be back type of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that moving forward with sale, and uh, we'll see what goes from there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Draymond actually said on his podcast a week or so ago, because that was it was Clippers Warriors in that series. And Draymond basically said flat out, like, I didn't think at the time we should have played. And I, I definitely think now we should not have played that game. Um, and man, what a moment that would have been if it had come to that. And maybe it does if, if Adam Silver doesn't doesn't uh, move as swiftly as he did. I think it 100 percent comes to that if, if Adam doesn't move as swiftly and to Draymond's credit and to the Warriors credit. They actually sent word like, hey, we'll walk out there and we won't play if you guys won't play. So they were like in full support of us. They were, um, I remember Jermaine O'Neal was a key veteran guy at that time for them. And they were fully like, hey, we'll do what you guys, you guys take the lead on this. We'll fully support you. So credit to them for that, for sure. Uh, But yeah, with Adam, I remember walking up to Adam, game seven, he was at the game. And I remember saying thank you because it it lifted like a huge 
huge burden off of all of us. And I just remember saying thank you to him for that. And he was, you know, very gracious. So you don't think that, that the Sarver situation now is going to be necessarily kind of a weight on this team. Um, but I wonder, like, so the DeAndre Ayton, Monty Williams thing, which is a whole other dynamic, and this is at least basketball related, and maybe it's interpersonal dynamics, but uh, it feels like that at a minimum, like they're coming into this season with just, I don't know, just more static than you expect from a you know team that was a 60 plus win team that had high expectations. It just seems like they're in a, a, a fragile is too strong a word, but things feel a little, little iffy. They're in a funk. They're in some type of funk for sure, yeah. right? Like it. Yeah, I don't want to say fragile, but they're definitely in some type of funk. And, and that part, sometimes it gets worked out, sometimes it doesn't, right? And the thing about it is, at times you can put deodorant on it during the season, but when things are at their most crucial, when they're most, uh, you know, like more at stake, and if those problems were never fixed, that's when it comes out. The trust yeah. factor, the, well, you said this with this to me this way, you know, and I didn't like it. You know, that communication isn't there. So I would say that part of it, if it's not fixed, will come out at at the hardest moments. Somehow, some way, that will come back around. It will come out and, and maybe the world will be watching it then. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there's something there and I feel like it's yeah. it's um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue at some point, like like you say. Right. Um let's let's hit the other one. I've got a couple more before before are you still good on time here? No, you're good. Okay, all right. I don't know um, what time, but yeah. The uh, the Celtics with their situation with Emi Udoka having to be suspended for the season, Joe Mazzulla stepping in, and a team that was just in the finals. Um, that one's more of a basketball thing, right? Like we had these two controversies happening in tandem with each other, and the Sarver thing cast a certain kind of cloud over the Suns. But okay, it's an ownership issue. It's a different kind of thing with the Celtics. This is. Your coach, the coach that helped lead you to the finals for the first time in over a decade and that kind of galvanized this team. And now you've got a first time coach coming in and he's now Missoula's the third coach in three seasons for right. this group. Um how how hard do you think it is for the Celtics right now? I think it's difficult, but with them, I think their foundation's pretty much set, right? As far as like they kind of know who they are. It wasn't a, a owner. Like, it was different than Phoenix as far as, like, this is a cloud over our, our, the players. He, he may feel this way about you. This was, like, a personal thing that went on between two adults. So, I don't know if they, if they would take it the same way as I think the Suns players would take it with the Sarver situation. But it's definitely still something that could be a distraction, right? And having a new coach, what's the respect level they have for that coach? You know, I, I, how is he, 36? He's young, yeah. Yeah, he's young, right? So, Every, everybody younger than me is just really young at this stage, which is right. everybody. So, yeah, but no, he thinks, yeah, mid-30s. One thing I'll say about assistant coaches, right, on any level, assistant coaches are usually really cool with the players because they're the ones that are the buffer between the head coach and the player at times or getting the message to them. Yeah. So if, they use, if the players use that same respect that they do when they're like, hey, that's my guy, like, you know what, even though you're in this head coach position, I'm not going to treat you any differently. You're still my guy. And they run through a wall for him then I can see things going well, you know, but I think them getting off to a great start is important for them because they need to keep that momentum and keep uh, the fuel they have from going to the finals to hit the ground running this year. I think when you do that, it quiets everything else around that's going on. It absolutely galvanizes you guys. And then you get two new players that are prominent in Blake Griffin and, and Malcolm Brogdon as well. So it's kind of a new en energy and a new life that goes with that. So I think their start is very, very important for them. Yeah. 
Um, I'm very curious to see how that goes. Uh, you know, I, I think in this league, I'm sure you'd agree, you know, talent matters more than the coach. And, and it's not that the coach is irrelevant. The right coach can bring the best out of a team. The wrong coach can drag a, a really talented team down sometimes. I think of like a bad fit, the wrong voice, the wrong style. I can see that. I tend to think with a team like the Celtics that at least now has broken through and established themselves. They know who they are now. They know how to win together. Um, they're no longer just kind of a young coming together team. Like they're still young, but they're established. They have an identity. I, I kind of think they'll weather this fine, but you just never know. It's it's really hard in this league to figure out how to value the head coach and like what it means to have A versus B. And this is going to be an ultimate test of it because they, you know, they just made the finals and everybody's back and they added Malcolm Brogdon and they should be even better than they were. Right. So, right. Absolutely. And, and, Ime was a young head coach, right? Like, yeah. he, you know, so, but at least now he had to set the foundation. I think that's why they got off to such a rocky start to start the season last year. But now that foundation is set, and hopefully they have that same respect they have uh, for the new coaches in there. Uh, quick hitters before I let you go. Uh, do you have your picks to come out of the East and West? I know. I have, this is the same thing every time somebody asks me at this time of year. I'm just like, man, are you kidding? Like, can I, can I give you can I give you my my East and West finals right now? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. How about that? All right. I'll take the Clippers and Golden State in the West Finals. I'll take Brooklyn. <laughs> that may be a hard decision, by the way, but I'm taking Brooklyn and Milwaukee in the East Finals. I like Golden all those. I think the first time somebody put me on the spot to to do this, I think actually my editors did this three weeks ago, and I think I went like, did I go Clippers over Bucks or something, or Bucks over Clippers or something in the finals? I I, th- I don't even. This is how how much conviction I had in the in the pick, Jamal. I can't remember what it was. It was a few weeks ago. I have it in a note somewhere. Uh, but you're an NBA expert, in, back, and if we're both <laughs> right, we're coming back to this podcast to tell the world that we knew what was going on, man. But. I think I'm with you on the conference finals in the West for sure. Clippers Warriors sounds right to me in the West. The East is just so tricky, right? Like there's a part of me, you know, the Nets are obviously right in my backyard. You know, it's it's hard to buy in completely after all the stuff that's happened right, with this team. Right. But my God, the amount of talent they have and the bench is great. And they had a really nice offseason in terms of, of bolstering the roster. Like if they, it's a huge if, but if they just, you know, you know, stay on the same page and decide they want to play with each other and play for Steve Nash. Like, yeah, they could win the East. Like, bu- like Bucks Nets conference finals to me is totally plausible, um, and shouldn't even be a surprise if it happens. If the Nets make it to the finals, we'll look back and say, "Well, look, look around all the talent they have. They should have made it to the finals, <laughs> yeah. right?" So it's, it's they're very tricky. I can easily see them doing some type of late season signing for a big, possibly depending if they, you know. Yeah, feel like they're going across the Bucks or whatever, but yeah, I I still have them. I still have the the, the Nets and the Bucks in the Eastern Finals. All right, give me one player or team that's going to surprise us this season, and then one team everybody's maybe too high on. One team or player that's going to surprise us. This I would say player. I'll say Dane Lillard. Mm. I don't think the Blazers will surprise us, but I think he'll have an unbelievable year. I saw him, like you said, when I went to the game in Seattle a couple of nights ago, and he, his burst is back. He looks healthier than I've seen him in years. And the way he's playing, I, I think they like Portland has a good team, but I think they'll need more high IQ guys around day. 
so he, they can use him a little bit more like Steph. When he gives up the ball, runs around, and that one second he's open, he has to have the ball. You know, and I know some of Steph's frustration when Draymond those guys were out. Like, man, you guys are used to kind of how it goes. You know what I mean? So I think if they get that for Damian, that would be easier. Um, surprise team. I don't know if we call the Clippers a surprise team. But, I mean, they're really deep. They're really, really, really deep. Yeah. But let me give you one, I guess, that are, that that nobody's really talking about. I'm going to say the Hawks have a better year. Hmm. Yeah, I'll say the Hawks have a better year. I think DeJounte there uh, will help Trey Young. Uh, I, he's another guy who has winning quality, winning DNA, and I think they'll have a better year this year. You got you to gotta get your Seattle guy in there. I, I, yeah. I see. There's the subtext. You, of course. Of course. <laughs> I have to. There's no way around it. And I'll be in Atlanta more now, right? So I'll see them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for for sure. Now the Hawks are really intriguing. Um I like I I believe I think it was a great trade. I think it's the right move. Um but I'm just still not sure what to make of them. And mm-hmm. I think I think their their variability or their, you know, high uh range of outcomes possible, I think for the Hawks. So I I'll go one more. Surprise team in a bad way that people are kind of saying I'm not sure how good Minnesota will be. Like I mm-hmm. I think they'll be a playoff team. But I'm not sure the Rudy trade makes them this like contending team. Yeah, and I think some people are saying that they're, they're kind of closer to the contending side of it. So I'll say you're not buying it either. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not putting them in the top four in the West. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not even sure if they're a top six team. I think they make the playoffs through the play-in most likely. But yeah, my. Oh. I mean, listen, the 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 simplistic version of it is. Um, they were already had immense offensive talent, right, between Anthony Edwards and Crosby Towns, and Rudy Gobert is a is a walking top five or top ten defense just on his own. Just having Rudy makes you a great defensive team, or at least that was what we saw in Utah all those years. And I right. I kind of feel like you could put Rudy anywhere and build an elite defense around him. I know there's all the other things that come into play about you know, being able to keep him on the floor in, in playoff games when people are scheming against him and everything else. But if they're already an elite offense without him and he makes them an elite defense, like that's the simplistic version of ergo, <laughs> they're a contender <laughs> in the West. I'm not buying yeah. that, but I that's see That's where it. I'm at. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Uh, folks, you want more deep analysis from Jamal Crawford? You're going to get um, a lot of it. Tons of it. NBA uh, TNT Tuesday nights with the crew. Bunch of NBA TV shows as well. Some Twitter live stuff. You're starting an Instagram account, or maybe you already did now. You're you're diving yes. full force into social media now, uh, which you avoided, Small I think, profit. for many years. Absolutely. Hey, when you come to the media side of things, you have to have all media platforms covered. So I will be on Instagram as well, Jamal Crawford. You guys can check that out. Awesome. JC, great seeing you again, my friend. Thank you for spending the time. Appreciate it. Congrats again. And uh, give my best to uh, Left Go Shaq and the crew out there. Absolutely will, Beck. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, that's it for today's show. My thanks again to Jamal Crawford. Thank you to Turner PR ace Tony Morreale for the assist. Thanks to our producer, Shelby Royston. Thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.